Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is Love to Tell the Story. It's among the most crucial questions ever asked by Jesus, but at its very heart, it's also one of the most personal. It was when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Part of the story of the raising of Lazarus in John chapter 11, this is the question we're going to be asking ourselves in today's message, which is entitled, Do You Believe This? Well, to begin with, friends, going into this text, it's important for us to know that it is in the midst of her very deep anguish an enormous grief that Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, shall live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This question, friends, might well be one of the most crucial questions that is asked in the entire gospel story. But at its very heart, friends, it's part of an exchange that is raw and emotional and immediate. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? For Martha, it's quite literally a question that amounts to a matter of life and death. After all, her brother Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus, on whom she has placed so much trust, is just now arriving four days later. And the pain of her loss was hurting more deeply than anything maybe she had ever felt in her entire life. So when Jesus follows this statement about I'm being the, him being the resurrection and the life by asking her, do you believe this? It's a question that cuts to the very core of every emotion, every bit of pain that she's feeling, and moreover, everything that she's always held to be true about her life and living. Biblically speaking, this is a part of the story that sets the stage for everything else that was about to happen, about uh, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It also serves, and I'm sure you noticed this as we were sharing the story, it's a foreshadowing to something that was about to happen, a, a triumphant end to a horrific passion narrative that is very soon going to unfold. But for Martha... This is a question that is deeply personal and life-changing. Which is what makes it all the more interesting and even kind of strange in a way. That for you and me in here and now, this question that Jesus asked, do you believe? It really kind of comes off as something too familiar. A question that as Christians, we almost shrug off as a given. After all, 
as the Christian church, isn't this what we're supposed to believe? Resurrection and eternal life. Are not these the core understandings of our Christian faith? The, the very reason that two weeks from this morning we'll be gathering as God's people to celebrate Easter, which is quite literally our day of resurrection? Now, I know, granted, there are times that most of us will wonder about the impossible possibilities of the resurrection. There are moments when, like Thomas the Apostle before us, we might even harbor just a little bit of doubt about it all. But you see, at the heart of all, this matter of resurrection is the starting place for everything else we believe and hold to be true as Christians. So, yeah, the, the answer to the question, do you believe, is yes, of course we believe. Or do we? The fact is, friends, and the reason that I am thinking a lot about that particular exchange is that what Jesus is asking here is not about current theological consensus among Christians, nor is he inquiring about what the church, is, the church professes, nor about what tradition or society accepts as true. What Jesus is asking is very personal, very direct. He asks, do you believe? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Jesus' question, rather than merely addressing a point of theology, is meant to be directed at you and me personally. It is meant to be a question that, as I said before, cuts to the very core of everything you and I hold to be true about our faith. So with all that said, that's the question for today. Do we believe? Do we believe in resurrection? goes without saying that we believe in death. After all, we've seen it very often, haven't we? Who among us has not st stood at a gravesite lamenting the loss of a loved one? Or have kept vigil with a parent or a spouse or a friend for whom death is imminent, trying to do our best to offer love and support even as all along we're feeling something in ourselves dying at the same time. We are well acquainted with death. And mind you, I'm not just talking here about physical death, but also the living death that comes when hope is gone. The death of spirit that occurs when things like remorse and anger, doubt and despair takes hold of our life and living. Truly. Whether it's the news of yet another fatal shooting, as has been the case this week in Atlanta, the heartbreaking realization that over a half a million people have lost their lives this year in this time of pandemic, or for that matter, as we bear witness to the death of simple human compassion in an increasing suspicious and cynical time. Oh yeah, it is all too easy to recognize death as 
and indisputable reality of our lives. The question is, can we recognize resurrection just as easily? Can we, do we really believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Are we able to confess as truth that believing in him, <clears throat> though we die myriad deaths of earthly life, nonetheless we live now and forever, never to die? Do we believe this? I'll say it again. As regards our faith, it is a crucial question in how we answer. It not only defines us as believers, but it makes us who we are as the body of Christ. Who we are as a sacred community ultimately, you see, has to do with resurrection. Life out of death. Light in the midst of smoldering darkness, undeniable, unstoppable hope rising out of the despair of the world's seemingly endless hopelessness. As believers and as the church, we are identified as resurrection people. But not just resurrection in the sense of what's to be received in the life to come, but resurrection that is ours in the here and now. Life that's full, life that's abundant, life that is made brand new in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Our second text for this morning, which comes from the Old Testament book of the prophet Ezekiel, offers up uh, that very haunting image of a valley full of dry, lifeless bones. Now, historically speaking, we need to understand that Ezekiel's prophecy was directed towards Israel in its time of Babylonian exile, a time when Jerusalem and the temple had been destroyed and the entire community of God's people was deep in despair. All through this passage, there's this undercurrent of complete abandonment. Exactly what Israel was feeling, as though God had left them without any hope of restoration. For them, this valley of dry bones might well have been a valley of their souls. Because for all practical purposes, for spiritual purposes, they believed themselves to be dead. And that's what they were. And yet what we read here is that as God shows the prophet the vision, he asks the question again and again, can these bones live? Now, <clears throat> excuse me, at first read, it seems like a pointless question with an obvious answer. They're bones, of course they're not going to live. But as God always seems to do, he moves beyond the obvious. As Ezekiel prophesies unto all these dry bones, God proceeds to breathe a breath of life into them. And suddenly and miraculously there's this noise, a rattling, and now the bones come together with muscles and flesh appearing where moments before there had been none. It's like the story of creation all over again. God breathes and immediately there's life. And God says to Ezekiel, Go now to my people, 
These people who are feeling so dried up and cut off with all hope lost, go, tell them. And this is quoting from the message now. I'll dig up your graves and I'll bring you out alive. I'll breathe my life into you and you will live. I've said it and I'll do it. God's decree. It's resurrection. It's God bringing forth life. Having life burst forth in the midst of certain and undeniable death. Understanding that this is no vague future, apocalyptic hope for the future, but this is the real and loving act of God in the here and now. It's divine action that restores the soul to the depth and fullness of living. This is exactly, you see, this, the, the action that we see in the raising of Lazarus. In Jesus, God bringing forth resurrection and life. Yes, as, as an assurance of what is to come when this earthly life has passed, the sure and certain promise of eternal life, but also as the sign and seal of our lasting, everlasting fellowship with Christ in the here and now. What happens there at the entrance of Lazarus's tomb ends up as a summons to true life, a summons that Christ gives us in the moment, and it shows forth also what Christ promises to bring to fulfillment in the fullness of time. This is resurrection, beloved. The promise of new life taking shape in our living now. The ability, even amidst death, to see a bit of both the abundance and the eternity of life in this present moment, as well as reminding us that peace, real joy, and true love can only exist, grow, and thrive amongst those who have been raised in Christ Jesus. In this story, one of the most powerful moments of John's gospel, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And immediately, the formerly dead Lazarus emerges, burial claws and all. And he comes out of the tomb, and it turns out that there's more to this miracle than a dead man being brought back to life. It also turns out to serve as a first reminder that the resurrection that is ours in Jesus Christ, this resurrection that frees us now and forever from every kind of death that we've ever had to or will ever have to face, is very real. <clears throat> Do you believe this? Jesus asked Martha this. Do you believe this? That's what he continues to ask you and me today. Now, Martha her voice shaking, not really fully understanding what she was saying, no clue as to how to process what Jesus was talking about or, or what he was planning to do, and yet knowing deep down in her heart that it was true, answered that yes, she believed. But the question for us is, under those circumstances, would you and I have said the same? That's the thing, you see, about mystery, and wonder, and miracle, and faith. Ultimately, there's only one of two things that you can do with it. Either accept it or reject it. 
And sometimes there's not a miracle in the world big enough or miraculous enough to convince us to believe. So that's why it is very good news indeed that Jesus offered up another sign. If you were a part of a church youth group or went to summer camp during the 1970s, chances are you are familiar with the tale of Barrington Bunny. Now, this story was part of a book called The Way of the Wolf, a collection of stories, poems, and songs by the late Martin Bell. Barrington Bunny, if you don't remember, is the story of a lop-eared, furry brown bunny with unusually shiny eyes who, encouraged by a great and mysterious silver wolf on one very snowy Christmas Eve, sets out to give special gifts to several animal families living in the forest. Sticks for the beaver's house, dead grass and leaves for the squirrel's nest, and so on. Well, as the story goes, as night begins to fall and the snow becomes a blizzard, Barrington discovers a baby field mouse lost and separated from his family and in danger of freezing to death. Knowing that bunnies are furry and warm, Barrington covers the little mouse, hugging him tightly throughout the long, cold night as, as she sat safe and sound. The next morning, wrote Bell, the field mice found their little boy asleep in the snow, warm and snug beneath the furry carcass of a dead bunny. Their relief was so great that they didn't even think to question where that bunny had come from. <laughs> and that's pretty much where the story ends. Needless to say, Barrington Bunny is a story that, while extremely sad, offers up a powerful message about giving and sacrifice. I have actually read this story aloud a number of times over the years uh, to youth groups, to confirmation classes, even a couple of times during a service of worship. And, and quite often as I've done it, there's not been a dry eye in the house. It's that kind of story. I remember in particular one such occasion when afterward there was a sweet little girl from our congregation who came up to me after the service, her eyes all red and welled up with tears. She said to me, and quite angrily, I might add, Reverend Lauer, you didn't finish the story. Taken a bit aback by both her tears and her tone, I stammered back, well, yeah, I, I did. I'm sorry, but I can show you that's where the story ends. To which she replied, with tears still flowing down her cheeks, No, it doesn't end there. The bunny is supposed to come back to life. And of course, not only was this little girl very perceptive, she was also right. Soon it will be Holy Week, and the time will come on this Lenten journey we're traveling that we will be standing at the foot of the cross, this unthinkable yet unforgettable place where Jesus died to bring us salvation before God. It's the hardest part of our journey together, and most certainly it is the part the most, that's the most necessary. 
But here's the thing. The story doesn't end there. As you well know, I am fond of saying that we cannot come to the joy of Easter without first confronting the horror of Good Friday. But it's also important to remember that the opposite is true. That our faith does not end on that wooden cross at Golgotha. Because in fact it is the cross that is our sure and certain sign that each one of us will be brought to new life by Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. And as Jesus himself said to Martha, so he is saying to you and me today, those who believe in him, even though they die, shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in him will never die. But the question remains, do you believe this? Do you? Do you? I pray that you will give this crucial question your thought and your prayer as you draw nearer to the cross. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Do You Believe This? It was recorded as part of our March the 21st online service of worship at East Congregational Church. To which, by the way, you are always invited to join us live each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. In these lingering days of pandemic, as well as in these days when we draw near to Holy Week and Easter, these online services have proven to be very valuable. We would love to have you share it with us. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.